notice that we have uh, adjusted our order of service a little bit, and, and sometimes we feel like that's just what we need to do to, to be in step with what God is doing. The, uh, you know, sometimes people get the impression we come to church in order to get a couple songs done and then listen to a word preached. The emphasis being on listening to a word preached. Uh, preaching the word is a means of us seeing God accurately and more accurately understanding what he's done, which results then in worship. But really, the people of God gather to worship. <coughs> and so we haven't uh, decided today to shortchange you in the area of expressing worship. We're going to put worship at the end of the service more fully. Because what we're going to do today is really going to fuel more accurately our worship time. Uh, today we're going to spend some time remembering the grace of God and how God has dealt with us in this church over the course of more than 40 years uh, that many of us have shared different time spans in Lakeview Christian Center. And normally we will do some kind of a service around Thanksgiving to help us cultivate an attitude of Thanksgiving. It's perhaps one of the most important attitudes to have floating around in our hearts. It says a lot about what we believe about God, about how we acknowledge His activity and sovereignty in our lives. So today... Uh, we're going to cultivate in our own hearts thankfulness by looking back over how the Lord has dealt graciously with us over these past many years. As many of you will remember, just about a month ago, uh, demolition crews went out to 132 Veterans Highway and tore down uh, all the facilities that we own. But, you know, the one building there in particular, the building that housed the auditorium and the classrooms, uh, that building was over 40 years old. And, you know, for some folks, driving past that pile of rubble, uh, for some, that's all it was. It was a pile of rubble. It was, it was wood and bricks in a pile. And, you know, in the church, we're very careful to make sure we understand that the church is not a building. But yet buildings and places in the economy, God, are, are, they're not insignificant either. Um, if you look throughout Scripture, you find... God does things in particular places, and then those places get a name. They get a reputation about them. When we look back in the Old Testament, we, we find uh, places like Mount Sinai that we looked at a few weeks ago where God met with his people, and that mountain became famous. There was a nothing mountain in the middle of nowhere until God showed up and did something in his people's lives, and now it was famous, and today we're still talking about it. The city of Jerusalem. All that went on in that place, the city of David, it had meaning and content in that city. It was just a city until God showed up there and did something. And you remember the difference of, you know, Nebuchadnezzar shows up in that city and doesn't see any significance to the city and destroys it. Jeremiah walks through the city after that occurs. Remember the whole book of Lamentations is him walking through the city. And he looks and behold the city that was once full of people. And then he sees people going about their business like nothing's happened here. And he, and he stops and he says, is it nothing to you who pass by? You know, I wanted to stand on Veterans Highway as people just drove in, just, just drove in the work, not even, not even affected. Is it nothing to you who drive by? You know, uh, because this is, this is not just bricks and mortar and sticks. Uh, these are precious stones to us because God met with us in those places. And this morning what you're going to hear is how the Lord touched different lives. There's a number of testimonies that will be shared this morning. How people were affected by God in that place. And
And uh, I, I'm going to not go into a great deal of detail about my own story there, but I will just say the benefit of doing this. We had gone away to the, uh, the pastoral team retreat a few weeks ago. Actually, it was the week of the uh, demolition of the buildings. And we spent some time in worship and, and just had some wonderful times waiting on God and experiencing God's presence. In one particular time of worship, Matt began to play a song that was just, it was an old song. It was, it was back in the day. And when we began to sing that song, I, all of us just began to remember God's dealings in our past. And each of us recounted, you know, here we were away at a strategic planning retreat for us to consider how to move forward at this point in the, in the history of the church. And the Lord brought us back to how each of us even ended up in the same place. And it was amazing to see the sovereignty of God and all that God had done. And, and I remembered recalling you know, the first time I came into that building, I'd only been in two other churches outside of the Catholic church that I'd grown up in. So all those settings were strange to me. They were a little foreign, a little uncomfortable. And I stood against the back of the building. You know, in that day in 1983, I could have never imagined that, that one day I wouldn't stand scared to death at the back of the building. I'd, I'd stand scared to death at the front of the building behind the pulpit. Uh, I never would have imagined that that was ever going to be in the future of my life. But God was working a plan in that moment. Can you imagine God laughing in that day? <laughs> Look at him. He's scared the back of the building. He has no idea what I'm about to do to him. Uh, you know, and if we think throughout our lives, there are stories like that where God has dealt with us. And I could reflect in so many times and places of meeting with God in that building. You know, I remember the I remember fighting the battle to lift my hands in worship. I mean, probably everybody goes through that at some point. Just you know, I remember where I was in the building. If you were standing at the pulpit, I was I was right over here, about five rows back. And I remember everyone's looking at me. But I'm doing it anyway, you know, and just breaking out of that fear. I remember that moment in the building. I remember standing on the front, uh, coming down for prayer and, and scared to death to come down for prayer to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But coming down knowing that's what I wanted to receive from God and coming forward and standing right there in that place in the building and having folks come pray for me. Uh, I remember encounters with the Lord, uh, times of prayer. You know, I was baptized in that building, standing in that tank. I would have no idea that I would stand in that exact same place and baptize my own daughter in that tank as well. You know, the Lord sees things that He's doing over the course of our lives. And looking back, sometimes it informs us of who God really is to us. We need to do this. It's very helpful. You know, we're standing today looking into a future that the Lord knew was going to be here this day, preparing us all along the way. And I remembered as, as we were praying together and since that time at the, at the pastor's retreat, I remember I would go up and pray on the second floor in the building when there, was, there wasn't anybody there during the week. I'd, I'd go up and I'd pray and I'd walk up and down that hallway with that old red carpeting in it. And I would just call out to God and I would look out the windows into the neighborhood and I would pray over what God was doing in our future. And the Lord reminded me when we were together that I used to pray and ask the Lord, Lord, would you give us everything from here all the way to Florida Lee? And we own everything from 
here all the way to Florida Lee now. And I, the Lord just reminded me, you prayed and asked for that. And I didn't remember that until the Lord brought it back to mind. And, and what faith comes into your heart when you consider that. I remember, I'll tell you one other story. I remember being in the back of the building on a Saturday night. I used to come and pray before the services on Saturday nights. And there was another group that was there. It was one of the Mardi Gras teams that had come in to do outreach. And they were in the front of the building. And, and I was, so I had to go use the back of the building. And I remember the Lord brought me through just an impression from God's dealings with Ezekiel. Where the, the passage about the water flowing out of the temple in Jerusalem. And Ezekiel saw it. And he saw this trickle coming out. And eventually the trickle became a little deeper and it was to the ankles and to the knees. And as he began to walk out further in it, it got over his head. And he said it was a river that no one could cross. And the Lord brought to mind, you know, Keith, you, me and the entire church, you, you like to be able to manage what I do. But when you get to the point where you're in over your head and you have to rely on me in a way that you're not used to, that's where you need to be. And, you know, it wasn't too long after that that the church began to feel like it had outgrown us. There was a lot of people and activity and things going on. And certainly now, we still feel that way. And that's a good place for us to be. But God has, God has brought us to these places, these stones of remembrance, for a purpose. And each of us bear in our lives the handiwork of God that has brought us to where we are today. And how valuable for us to revisit that. To call to mind intentionally the seasons of God's dealing in our lives. And what I hope today will do for us as a church, what it, what it did for us that, that retreat as we recalled and Peter began to, to recall how he ended up at Lakeview. Just when he was praying and thanking God and the circumstances that brought him there. And Jeff prayed about how the Lord brought him there. And Matt about how the Lord brought him there. And, and Pete about how the Lord brought him there. And I think Eric was in diapers when all this was going on. I wasn't even born yet. Um, but just just experiencing what God did sovereignly when we didn't have a clue. I mean, we had absolutely no idea when we all accidentally showed up in the same church that one day we'd all be together praying as a team about what God is going to do. And it, and it made us realize here we are in this hour praying about what lies ahead. Realizing that in 10 or 20 years, we're going to look back at this time frame with our minds blown. Going, wow, I had no idea when we were praying. Remember before the building was, was built and we were praying about this or praying about that? Oh my goodness, I had no idea this is what would take place. But that's what God's about to do in our lives. And it's recalling what God has done that helps us have faith for what He's about to do. So what we do today, I think, has incredible value. Hopefully it's an exercise we'll all do personally many times in our lives. Uh, many of you don't share 10, 20, 30, 40 years of history together here. Uh, one of the things that I think is such a blessing is for the number of folks who do share many years of history. When God makes you family, it should be difficult for those family ties to be broken. Um, and hopefully that's what church is to us. It's a family. It's a place where we connect and we build our lives together. And you just kind of can't get rid of us. You know, we're together and we're stuck on one another. And today you're going to get a chance to hear from several folks who have experienced God's grace together in a place called Lakeview Christian Center for a number of years. Um, maybe you don't have that much history here, but I hope what you'll do is I hope you'll go back 10 or 20 years in your own mind as you're listening to these guys share 
And you'll remember chapters and seasons where God dealt with you. And maybe as you go from this week, spend this week before Thanksgiving, meditating and letting God take you back to the days when He saved you, the days He dealt in your life, and all the people and places that He sovereignly arranged for your life to bring you to where you are right now. I think you'll find it a great exercise to do. Well, if you're not real familiar with our history, we put together a little bit of a video that would help you to to maybe catch up on our past and, and where the church has come from over the years. So if we can roll that video, uh, when we come out of the video, we're going to have some testimonies and a little musical part of those testimonies as well to take you back into our history as well. So let's, let's catch up on our history here. All right, so that wasn't exactly our history, but it was close. <laughs> Well, really to give you a more accurate reflection on really who the Lord has been to us and what he's done in many lives. Let me invite up the the oldest alligators in the pond. And that would, of course, be Bill Treby and Peter Davidson. Those guys would come on down here and help us to get in touch with a little bit more accurately our past. can't see who's up there. <laughs> One correction, Eric was nowhere to be seen. <laughs> because uh, <clears throat> I remember his mom when she was about this high. Thank you. Uh, trying to come to grips with this, <clears throat> I'll just try to put in perspective Forty-one and a half years attending one church, same building, 132 Veterans Highway. It's hard to capture that in the page and a half, three minutes that Keith has allotted. I'll probably go a little bit over that, but it's an impossible task. As Nancy and I were sitting down uh, Friday night to just try to begin to pull together some thoughts it, it just we had to give up it was um, it was an impossible task but the building is not what holds memories for Nancy and for me although a few weeks ago when we were in a small group uh, AJ and Darlene DeSherry were in our group and Darlene and I had I went to the demolition of the building it didn't really affect me um and uh, Darlene started praying and recounting all her memories um, in that building. And I was affected as it took me back to so many memories, monuments of God's grace in my life, in the lives of people I love. Our memories are really of God's doings and the people that God worked through in the process We were part of the body of believers when both our sons were conceived, born, dedicated, accepted Christ, were baptized. Our first grandson was dedicated in that building. We were part of this body for all except three months of our marriage. It's impossible to compress 41 and a half years of blessing and memories into a few minutes of testimony, so I'm not going to try to do that. 
Memories go back to many saints of God that most of you never had the privilege to know. I can remember some wonderful prayer warriors that you never had the privilege to know. Two of our pastors in this church await us around the throne in heaven. Dan Ronces Folly, my first pastor in this church, and Alan Poulsen, wonderful men of God, ministers of the gospel around the world, literally, and around this country, were born of the Spirit around the altars of that building. And I was able to see those births. Miracles of provision, too numerous, too too many to recount. Not just in my life, but in the life of the church and the life of many individuals in the, in the church. Occurred as a result of the Holy Spirit's moving on His people to give sacrificially in that building. And one example I want to share, I hope will capture that. I don't even know why, but the Lord led me to this one remembrance, because there are so many, but I just feel like it. This is what God wanted me to share. When Lakeview had an attendance of about 75 people, and I may be exaggerating that, that may be uh, evangelistically speaking, 75 people, a lot of children, retired couples, um, and young, a few young couples who barely had enough money to pay their bills at times. That was the setting for this. One Sunday morning, Pastor Ronces Folly, I, I don't remember if this was in 1967 or 68, one of the two. Um, he had gotten a call late the night before from a missionary pastor in Panama City, Panama, Central America. The church there had been renting space in a downtown building for their services, and the church was doing well, very poor people. But the pastor had gotten an eviction notice from the owner of the building because someone had offered to buy the building in the past and the owner needed to sell. And But he gave the missionary pastor three days over a weekend to raise the money to match the price that had been offered to buy the building. That call came late on a Saturday night. Pastor Roncesvalli that morning in service felt led and he called some of us back and asked if he should if we felt he should do this and we agreed he should but I can remember shaking my head inside at least saying I don't see how this is possible in 1967 I believe or it could have been 68 to raise $20,000 that morning from a congregation again made up of retired workers widows a group of young people who could barely pay their own bills. We prayed and God raised that morning more than $20,000. Now, to put that in a perspective, I don't know if there may be 150 people here and very few children. It would be like half of this group with a lot more children and a lot more, from looking at you, a lot more retired people raising $200,000 this morning without any advance notice. When I say raise, I mean in the offering. Um, That was God working through His people to provide for a need in the body of Christ in a third world country.
based on a phone call of desperation from a missionary pastor that some of the people in the church had met one time. That mission church was purchased and the gospel continued to be preached in the inner city of Panama City, Panama. He came and a year or so later, he came and just for the whole service, we were just rejoicing in what God had done. And God, as a result, brought revival at Lakeview. One of many. Revival of an understanding of who God is and what He is to us. God showed us and showed me how He can miraculously heal children that I think you may hear one testimony about this morning. Heal children that doctors have given up for dead. Including one little five-year-old boy, the son of Don and Loretta Pagan. Ryan Ploche, Joel Masson, who you'll hear a little more about this morning, I believe. And in the process, God gave us monuments of His grace and His mercy and His power. And God has been merciful beyond any understanding for all of these years. There are so many memories, so many friends, so many remembrances of God's meeting, disciplining, exhorting us through His gifts to the church, showing us His long-suffering patience with our weaknesses and our sins particularly me. And through it all, loving us in ways that only God could conceive. What could possibly compensate when I thought about this? What could, I, what could, what could be the compensation for all of the brothers and sisters God has brought into my life and enriched my life with and my wife's life with and my children's life with? These blessings are not able to be measured. Their value is beyond any calculation. Do I miss a building? No, I really don't. The things of real value. Monuments of God's grace, however, were experienced to a great extent in that building. So we will remember. I will remember 35 or more Christmas programs, Sunday school classes, prayer meetings, hearing the Holy Spirit inspire messages from godly pastors and evangelists. I'll remember words of prophecy people coming up to me and sharing with me something they've seen that touched me in the deepest places. Tongues and interpretation that glorified God. Gifts of hospitality. Gifts of kindness liberally given. The overall impression that we remember is the presence of God with His people working out our sanctification. We look forward to what greater evidences of His grace are going to be poured out as we continue to walk out and work out our salvation with fear and trembling, but with great memories. first time I entered the building at Lakeview Christian Center, I was a senior in college in 1964 in April. On a Sunday evening after having received Christ as a result of one of the members of the church witnessing to me where I worked at the time. And entering the building is just like yesterday. I remember the atmosphere of joy and of praise. As a young man with black hair named Bill Treby 
was leading the congregation and bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. You remember Psalm 103. And you know, although the congregation was small in number, it was large in passion and in care. I've never seen, I've never been in such a service with, with such vitality where the people love one another and love the Lord with such integrity. Just had not experienced that before. And so I returned the next Sunday evening to be baptized by Daniel Ronces Valley as I was a new believer. I wanted to continue to attend Lakeview. But you know, my family didn't take to the idea that I was going to that kind of a church. And they didn't want me to attend. Some of you may have experienced that. That's not our church. It's not our kind of church. And so I returned to the other church where Jean and I were married in 68. Then in 1978, when my daughter Ashley was seven years old, we were asked to leave the church where we had been attending all those years because I was teaching the Bible as literal. And they didn't hold it that way. So we left and we began to search for a new church. And then we began to go to several churches. And it was during this time that a friend of ours invited us to visit Lakeview Christian Center. They had a new pastor. I'd heard him on the radio. Eh, just really didn't want to go, go back to Lakeview. Wanted to go into another church. But really upon the insistence of our friend, Eldon Harvey, Gene and Ashley and I went back to Lakeview that morning in April 1978. And when we walked into the old building, both Gene and I knew immediately, remember, this is where the Lord was wanting us to stay. It was just so obvious as the Lord said to us that impression that you're home you're home now, since that first morning Gene, Ashley and I have been richly blessed through the ministry of the Lord as he chose to minister to us at that location both Gene and Ashley were baptized in the building as believers so there you have it my wife, my daughter, myself. Ashley met a young man while in senior high class named Kyle. And in 1991, it was my great, great blessing to be able to conduct their wedding. The Lord allowed me to teach Wednesday night Bible study for over 22 years, Sunday school. About 20 years, I'm still about half the time as Bill. And all four of my grandchildren were dedicated to the Lord in that building. And the biggest surprise of all, huh, and really the biggest blessing, at least to me and to Gene, I'm not sure about to the church, was when the Lord called me to come on staff as one of the pastors. I have to admit, I still question his wisdom. But I have to trust His sovereignty. All those years, so much ministry, as Bill said, so many changed lives. 
in all of this having been said, the greatest ministry that I have experienced during those years was really what the Lord has done in me, revealing and dealing with many of my weaknesses and many sins. I can never be thankful enough to the presence and activity of God's grace to me and to my family during those years and really anticipate even more as the Lord moves us into the future in a new building. Because we know that what God has done in the past, He will not only do in the future, but He will do in a greater way. So I'm thankful to those early believers of Lakeview, you know, who heard and obeyed the Lord's leading to build that church by faith through their giving and through their hard work. So that people like my family and your families and we today would be experiencing God's life, God's changing presence over all those years. So now the the Lord is leading us to construct a new building where His presence for future generations will experience His grace hopefully in an even greater measure for His glory as we do the same thing that our predecessors did, respond in faith, in giving and in working so that one day in the future, similar testimonies like this and like the rest that you will hear will be heard by others. You know, this God will do as we respond to His work and to His call to build a building so that He will do far more greater things in us and in future generations. That we will be so thankful for God's great grace. And all of this reminds me of the old saying, it is better in here than it is out there. We're going to give you an opportunity not only to, to listen to the testimonies, but to, uh, to go back from many of you who have been saved for a number of years. Uh, singing some of these songs will be a precious time for us. So in between some testimonies, uh, Eric's going to, He's going to take us back before God's gracious throne through music. So let me ask, while Eric is doing that, if the, the next three folks could come down. Uh, see, that would be Perry, Fry, Annette Loria, and Brandy Masson. If you three could come on down this way, and, and when we take our next break, you guys will be the next testimonies. Let's stand up. I heard an old, old story How a Savior came from glory How He gave His life on Calvary To save a wretch like me I heard about His groaning Of His precious blood atoned Then I repented of my sin And won the victory Oh, victory in Jesus,
you got to turn that light off. I had a bad fear you could see through my hair. <laughs> it's getting a little sparse. I didn't bring. No, when I when I, I had plenty of hair like him. <laughs> um, you know, almost 17 years ago, my wife Patrice walked through the back doors of Lakeview Christian Center. See, I being the leader of my house that I was, sent my wife off to find us a church to go to. <laughs> so in, on May 26 of 1990, she and her mom set off for a 6.30 p.m. Sunday night service. Um, I stayed home with Jared. I kissed her goodbye, and little did I know from that point forward, our lives would be changed forever. An evangelistic team was visiting the church that night and did a presentation on the going and the coming bride. And the Lord opened Patrice's eyes, her ears, and her heart to the gospel. She came home that night and all she talked about was God, this church, the people she met. She began to go to church on Sunday mornings, on Sunday nights, and attend a Bible study on Thursday nights. All the while, I was used to going through a drive-through church service on Sunday morning. So I began to, it began to pique my interest that, uh, you know, she was into something good. And I, I began to see a change in her. Uh, it created a desire for me to come experience, uh, you know, what she had experienced. So there was a newcomer's fellowship that was going to take place on a Friday night, and I had no other plans. So I had to go. And I knew Frank and Annette, Gloria, dear friends, and they went to this church. So I figured it couldn't be all that bad because we liked them. You know, they were nice people. We, uh, we set off for this endeavor and we met the, the, the leaders of the church at the time. And it was, it was four of us, four newcomers. So at the time... The leadership out, outnumbered the newcomers. But it was myself and my wife, Patrice, and Paul and Patrice Trudeau. And uh, so we met the leadership. And the first person that I encountered when I walked through the back doors of Lakeview Christian Center <laughs> was that this guy just had a big smile planted from ear to ear. He was kind of dark-skinned. He had tight, curly hair. And uh, you would know him as Billy Ray's. Dear, another dear friend, and he was on the uh, video that we saw earlier. He gave me this big bear hug. Now, if you know Billy, he likes bear hugs, right? <laughs> well, I'm not used to that, so I, I got this stiffened up feeling. Panic begins to set in, and, and I'm almost wondering out loud, thank God it didn't, but what in the world did my wife get me into? We went to the back in the fellowship hall, met his wife, Jan. Um, we met Peter and Jean Davidson. And then we, we met this other young guy. This guy was called an elder in the church. Now, this is what the pastors called it. This guy was an elder in the church, and I'm looking at him, and he's 25. He's two and a half years younger than me, and he's called an elder. So go figure. Uh, but you would know him today as our senior pastor, Keith Collins. The people we met that day are all dear to us. You guys are dear to us. 
Needless to say, after that night, we never left. We never left the place. There was seldom a time when the back doors of the church opened that we weren't there. It didn't feel like we wanted to be a part. You know, we wanted to be a part of that. Uh, there, were, there were many precious relationships that happened over the many years. As my family sat down three children later and just kind of, kind of reminisced over the many memories we had. We laughed. We cried. We, uh, we just remembered the faithfulness of God, the kindness, and the many evidences of grace in our lives. But the Lord brought us back to one particular point in time that was a stone of remembrance for us. And it was back in 1997. A leadership at the time had decided to designate the Sunday night service as a time of uh, worship, of prayer, of waiting on the Lord. And from February to the end of April, this went on. The worship was led by this young guy, 22 years old at the time. Uh, played the piano incredibly, and he could even carry a note or a tune from time to time. You would know him today as our very own incredibly gifted Matt, uh, Pastor Matt Mason, 22 years old. I can remember Matt playing for hours. A time of worship uh, would usher in the very presence of God. The times of repentance, the times of waiting on the Lord, where literally I could not even get up on the floor, off of the floor because his presence was so heavy. The Lord had fallen in that place. And during these months, I was reminded of Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for calamity, plans for a future and a hope. In Romans 8, 28, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are calling according to his purpose. Those many nights were sweet times of praying and, and being together as the body of Christ. We could not wait to go back to church the next Sunday night just in anticipation of what God had in store for us. Little did we know that the Lord was preparing the church for during those many nights of prayer. Shortly after the Sunday night prayer times ended, the senior pastor at the time resigned and the future history of Lakeview Christian Center was being penned by the hand of God. The Lord held the body of Christ together from that day forward in May. And he has never left us nor forsaken us. What an awesome God we serve. And what a privilege it has been for me and my family to see unfold. The name of Ichabod was surely not written on the back doors of the church. Praise and thanks be to our God. Oh boy, I don't know, like Bill, I feel the same way. How do you encapsulate 26 years into uh, just this little piece of paper? But I'm going to do my best. Um, when I, in thinking about this, I thought the thing I wanted to say the most was to talk about family and how the church really is a family. And I had one particular story that I wanted to share this morning. Frank and I uh, started coming to Lakeview in March of 1980. Uh, we were pregnant with David, our oldest son. Uh, it's been 26 years. Um, we started attending the church because we were a young couple. We had uh, been believers for about four years. And um, here I am pregnant, and my family was scattered all over the world. 
Um, and so family was real important to us. So we came to Lakeview, uh, very welcomed. David was born. Paul was born in 1982. And I was pregnant again in 1983 uh, and was in the Christmas musical. <clears throat> we were practicing for the cantata. And uh, there's a gentleman who played the uh, trumpet, just a tremendous man named Jerry St. Amant, who has uh, since gone to be with the Lord. But uh, was in our Christmas musical, uh, playing the trumpet. Afterward, we uh, he ushered a bunch of us out to the car, his car, because he was so excited to show us something. So we went out to his car. He popped his trunk open, and he had handmade a uh, cradle for his daughter, who was pregnant as well. And it was baby blue and had little decals on it because he knew that she was going to have a little boy. And it was just so precious. And I commented to him. I said, Jerry, that is just so sweet. I said, my dad built chips. And about the only thing that grandparents have ever done for my kids is my dad named a tugboat, the David Neville, after my son. But for somebody to take such time to craft something was just so precious. So we shut the trunk. We went about our business. And a couple weeks later, the cantata was to be. And when the cantata was over and everybody finished kissing everybody, Jerry again called us out to his trunk to see whatever. So he opened the trunk. And there in the trunk was a cradle that he had made for me. And uh, it wasn't pink. It wasn't blue because I didn't know what I was going to have. Uh, instead, he kept apologizing because it was a funky brown. He had never stained anything before, and so it was brown and sort of thick. But if any of you have been, most of you have been in my house, but if you haven't, you probably will one day. But anyway, if you have, you know it's uh, very rustic, and pink or blue would have not actually fit the decor of my home, but the brown was absolutely perfect. And uh, that was so precious. And a few months later, I would uh, deliver Abby at home, in my bed and that cradle was right next to the bed and Abby was placed into that cradle at birth and then a few years later we took in a girl that through the church and situations had a little crisis time and she had a little baby and that baby slept in that cradle and then many years later Perry and Patrice would have the great privilege of having Zoe brought to them and uh, I think pretty quick and so they borrowed the cradle as well. And Zoe spent the first month or so of her life in that cradle. It's just been a picture. That little story is a picture of just the generations, the relationships, and uh, the love and the care that we've all shared with each other, with the body of Christ, and most particularly with our precious Lord. of my son Joel um, but Lakeview Christian Center has grown quite a bit in the last seven years since he was born so I'm sure that the, there are some of you here today who don't know that he's only here because of the miraculous intervention by the hand of God in the fall of 1998 after two miscarriages we found out I was expecting our third child we breathed a lot easier after I passed the third month when I had miscarried both times before. Our relief was short-lived when at 15 weeks, I lost all of my amniotic fluid. The doctor very gently delivered the bad news to us 
and sent me home on complete bed rest. My husband Todd and I did research into this type of situation and discovered that a ruptured membrane that early in pregnancy almost always results in miscarriage. The specialist confirmed this. We informed the leadership of, at Lakeview of the situation. Word quickly spread and people began to pray. The hours turned into days and days into weeks. I was able to do nothing more than to watch as ladies from Lakeview did our laundry, cooked our dinner, and tidied our house. It was a very humbling time for me and a growing time for Lakeview. People at Lakeview who barely even knew us were interceding earnestly on our behalf, and the Lord was gracious time after time. The pregnancy continued much to every doctor's amazement. We had weekly visits to the perinatologist where we could see our baby clearly on the ultrasound monitor. We looked forward to the day we, when we could meet him, but not too soon. Unbeknownst to us then, that day was fast approaching. On Sunday, February 14th, I was rushed to the hospital with severe cramps while the members of Lakeview Christian Center, who were in the middle of service at the time, stopped everything and began to pray. The doctors informed me that the placenta had begun to tear away from the uterus, which is a common occurrence when a membrane breaks too early because there is nothing to cushion the blows from the baby's movements. The cramps lessened and I was admitted to the hospital until birth. At that point, I was 26 weeks pregnant, which is 14 weeks early. Each day that the pregnancy was maintained was very valuable for the baby. I stayed in the hospital two more weeks until February 28th, when the doctors discovered that the placenta was completely tearing away from the uterus. If they didn't deliver our baby via emergency C-section, he would be cut off from his oxygen supply and would not survive. Once again, this all occurred while Lakeview was holding service on a Sunday morning, and the members of the body stopped everything and began to pray. Joel was delivered around noon that day, weighing two pounds, two ounces, and he was 13 inches long. He let out one short, muffled groan, and then the team of doctors and nurses ran him into an adjacent room to begin to work on him. Todd and I were both overjoyed with the birth, but we felt sick to our stomachs not certain what the immediate future held. An hour or so later, Joel's neonatologist, a sweet, considerate man named Dr. Lungyong, came and told us that Joel was very sick and he barely clung to life. Because Joel lacked amniotic fluid in utero, his lungs never developed. The doctor explained to us that they were like tiny rocks within his chest, that they didn't have elasticity that healthy lungs have to expand and contract. His oxygen saturation levels, which are in the high 90s in healthy people, held consistently in the 30s and 40s with occasional drops into the teens. It was the news we really didn't want to hear. By this time, quite a contingent of Lakeview members had gathered in the waiting room and they prayed in earnest. I've been told that they vigorously and with tremendous passion entreated God to intervene on Joel's behalf. No one could walk anywhere near the waiting room without hearing them. Still, Joel's condition began to worsen. Around 7 o'clock that night, Dr. Longyong and several nurses came to my bedside to tell us that Joel's life was essentially over. 
The doctor said that he had been oxygen deprived for so long that even if he survived, his brains and other organs would not function. I'd like to say at that moment that Todd and I were full of great faith, but we actually cried inconsolably. After the doctor left the room, he updated the people in the hall. He told Dr. Mike Morian that Joel was actually more dead than he was alive. He said that he had done all that he knew to do, and it was out of his hands. Far from being defeated, our Lakeview family only entreated God all the more, while Todd and I struggled to overcome our emotions. Eventually, Todd went to the NICU with the intention of saying goodbye to Joel. When Todd entered the room, Joel's saturation levels were in the 30s and 40s, just as they had been all day. But while he stood there watching, they inexplicably climbed into the 90s. The doctor was dumbfounded. Such things just did not happen. The doctor told us there was no explanation other than a miracle. He later told us that Joel was the sickest baby he'd ever cared for who'd survived. Joel still had a very difficult road ahead with breathing, eating, and growing challenges. But other than the scars that pepper his chest, you would have no way of knowing about his tenuous beginning. A lady named Erin Edmondson, who was Joel's NICU nurse that first night. Three years after Joel's birth, she showed up at Lakeview. During a difficult time in her life, she remembered that God had undeniably moved to save the life of a little boy. And she was touched by the care shown by the body of Lakeview to two of its wounded members. Today, having been redeemed by grace, she and her children are members of this body. Recently, Dr. Lungyoung, who now works at Ashner, returned to his Katrina-ravaged office at Memorial Medical Center to retrieve one item, a mounted picture of the story we had given him, thanking him for his compassionate care of Joel during his first few months of life. Dr. Lungyoung told nurses at Ashner that memento meant so much to him because it was the only clear-cut miracle that he had ever seen in his life. There is none like you No one else can touch my heart like you do I could search for all eternity long And find there is none like you There is none like you. No one else can touch my heart like you do. And I could search for all eternity long and find there is none like you. Your mercy flows. Flows like a river wide. Healing comes from. 
as well. Linda's going to share a, a poem that she wrote about her time here. It actually was written by her yesterday. We got to hear Ray read it. <laughs> now, I know you're all wishing we had that on video, but I don't know that we do. But Ray reading poetry was, was really an event. When the church looks back 20 years from now and reflects, <laughs> that will be in the highlight reel, I'm sure. We'll see if you can do as well as your husband did. The Saints game took my husband away today, so that's why I get to do this, and I guarantee you. It was the men's breakfast with Bill Treby this morning. That's right. He was there. That's not even his covenant group. We haven't been in the church 41 years like the Trebies, but, um, and I won't make it through this. Who made this order up that you've got to follow Brandy Mass on? <laughs> Who did this? Um, 
But when we first came here in 1997, uh, all four of us, me, my husband, and my two sons, um, uh, we were divorced. My husband and I were divorced. We were high school sweethearts, and um, we got divorced, and we got saved, and our oldest son was saved, and um, we got back together. So we were living together um, um, I guess you could say in sin. <laughs> um, we still felt like we were married, but we were divorced. So if you know anything about the Pratt's family, we don't do anything normal. Um, so uh, we sat down, Ray and I sat down to try to think of some of our memories of Lakeview. And never did I dream <laughs> I'd have to be up here doing this because there's so many other people here that have so many more memories than we do but Ray and I sat there going oh and remember this and oh how could we forget that or whatever so there's no way you know brevity is not our our gift in our family so there was no way that we could write out something and read it and get through it so uh, came up with some words in a different little way of doing it um, and this is it memories of a church and I won't get through what I can tell you our first LCC service at 132 Vets was the year 1997 in mid-September. We were invited by the Laureas. These are some things we'll always remember. Greeted by Nancy Masson and Patrice Fry, and with joy they gave us the tour. They also served us coffee. We thought that was the lure. There were long pews made out of wood but there was no center aisle. People were actually talking wherever they stood, and everyone's face had a smile. And as the band started to play, some guy named Phil took center stage to sing and pray. Those songs stay with us still. Then up steps some young pastor, teaching with overhead charts, we learned so much about God that day. He had really gripped our hearts. We were drawn back to that building week after week. Songs also led by guys named Farrell and Frank. Another pastor named Peter got up to speak. Two great pastors, only God to thank. Going to a cantata, now that was something new. Hearing Gina and Frank's duet of Lord, I give my life to you bringing tears, making our faces totally wet. Our first baptism, we didn't remember. So what a Sunday evening service, we told our story. We were dunked by Keith in 1998 in November, this time to give God the glory. Our second cantata, we all hit a roll. Ray was Frank the cook wearing a big hat. Trey sang a solo. Linda, not to cry, was her goal. And Christian was a wise man. Imagine that. <laughs> With only the blessings of the Lord, our testimony was given and licensed to be signed. We made new memories to be stored. We got remarried in this church June 12, 1999. So many other things we will recall, like Bill's white gloves and Nancy at the Grand. Hearing Glenn E. Byer's voice, nothing small. Jeff teaching the kids how to take a stand. 
the testimonies of New Year's Eve, the welcoming of Mad Mason, alpha meetings and food you wouldn't believe, and to forget Pete would be a sin. So many people cried out, even though his way was paved, the prayers of this body with a shout to our God for our son to be saved. And the most amazing memory of them all was God tugging at each soul, bringing all of us on our knees to fall to pray for a little boy named Joel. So it wasn't the coffee or the smiles that first day, and we have have never had regrets. Thank you, Lord, for prompting us to stay at our little church on Vets. We began attending LCC in the spring of 1986. Our first child, our daughter Kristen, was born in the fall of that same year. I remember being very surprised and blessed that the church would throw me a baby shower as we had only been attending a short time. I was further surprised and blessed that when she was born, we would be the recipients of love and care and a most appreciated food chain. Almost three years later, our son Evan was born. Both of our children were dedicated as babies and later baptized in the old building. There would be almost 20 years of good fellowship, wonderful relationships, good times, shared ministry, special events, and cherished memories in that building. From our earliest days there, baptisms were always enthusiastically and joyously celebrated. We also enjoyed years of baby dedication baby showers, weddings, wedding showers, weddings, world rangers and missionettes, spaghetti dinners, mother-daughter teas, fall fun festivals, G-Force, youth lock-ins, youth Christmas banquets and youth dinner theaters, movie nights, always something to do with Christian living, yams, some of you don't know what that is, ladies' Bible studies, Wednesday night Bible studies, choir practices and cantatas, preparations and prayer for Mexico missions trips, children's church, Sunday school, later called School of the Word and School of the Word for Kids, the beginning of covenant groups, alphas, and even funeral services that, though sad because of having to temporarily say goodbye to those we love, were sacred assemblies to honor and celebrate their lives and our great God who shared their lives with us. I think especially of our precious Brenda Gresset and dear Melody Carney and the very moving funeral of Raymond Richard. And these are not all of the beloved saints who have preceded us to glory, for there have been many, but rather some of the funeral and memorial services held in the old building that stand out in my mind. Most dear to me were times of corporate prayer, glorious times of worship, great teaching, dynamic, challenging, life-changing preaching. We thank God for all of these memorable occasions. The old LCC building with its memories is like a good old friend and will be fondly remembered and dearly missed. Old friend, we say goodbye and thank you for housing our wonderful memories 
You served God's purposes well, and we thank Him for displaying His glory among us there. But I am also encouraged, excited, and faith-filled about the new building and all that God desires and intends to do there. I look forward to celebrations with old friends and new in the new LCC building that waits to see memories of its own made there and recounted one day. We'll get to see its birth or inception as we watch it built from the ground up. It'll be good to meet you, new friend. We trust you'll serve God's purposes well and witness his goodness and glory for years to come. And for that, we also give him thanks and praise. Oh, if we had all day here, we could ask many more to come share. But we're going to give you a quick musical version of us saying thanks to the Lord through a bit of a video pictorial presentation of our background of our time together. So enjoy this, and then Eric's going to take us before the Lord in worship as well. I need you more, more than yesterday. I need you more, more than words can say. I need you more than ever before.
dear panted for the water so my soul longeth after Let your song be heard. 